Hello, everyone, and welcome to Functional Fertility, the podcast designed to demystify your hormones, up-level your lifestyle, and supercharge your fertility potential. I'm your host, Dr. Kalia Waddles, and today's episode is dedicated to giving you all the tools you need to prepare your metabolic health for optimal fertility, a healthy and safe pregnancy, and an energized postpartum experience. Here to give us all the guidance we need, I'm super excited to welcome my good friend and fellow naturopathic doctor, Katie Danello. She's here with us today and she is a certified functional medicine practitioner currently practicing in an integrative clinic in Farmington, Connecticut. She is deeply passionate about providing accessible medicine that is personalized to a patient's unique needs. And she believes that her role as a physician is to help patients make empowered, educated, and informed decisions about their own health. I'm so excited to have her with us today. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, Kalia. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I think our listeners should know that you and I have a long history together and that we've been working really closely together for, I was trying to remember, three, three years Mm -hmm. maybe? Yeah. I'm talking day-to-day, constantly talking and texting. So I've been waiting and waiting to have Katie on the show. And finally, we have her here. And if you're not already following her on Instagram, I'll tell her where to find you at the end of today's Insta- uh, today's episode. But she's constantly posting about metabolic health, her own journey through fitness and her own metabolism. She's another doctor mom. So I think we'll have many treasures to share today. Uh, well, thanks so much. I appreciate that. I think as we're introducing this concept and this topic of metabolic health, it's probably beneficial and helpful for many of us if we actually take it all the way back to square one. Will you tell us what exactly we mean when we say metabolic health, a.k.a. is this just about weight or is there more to the story? Yeah, absolutely. Such a great place to start. So it is so much more than just our weight. So metabolism actually refers to the biochemical reactions that are happening in our cells and our organelles. So actually, it's the processes that convert what we eat into energy. So for example, when you eat literally any type of food, it's how our cells break that food down into our most basic molecules like glucose, amino acids, and fatty acids. And then how we use those to make energy like ATP, for example. So uh, that's what's happening on a cellular level. So much of that is happening in our mitochondria, right? I know we love to talk about mitochondria with fertility, and that's a huge reason why it's so important. So on a cellular level, that's what metabolic health really is. On a more macro level, we can think about it in terms of how it shows up in our bodies. So we can measure things like cholesterol, triglycerides, glucose, insulin, right? These are all factors that help us to understand what is happening on a metabolic level and help us to understand, do we have dysregulated metabolism, right? And then that converts even more so to things like diabetes, hypertension, obesity, right? That's how we really measure it and see it as, you know, like full humans, not just on a cellular level. As I'm listening to you, I'm realizing how I think functional medicine is so uniquely well-suited to support metabolic health because of all of the different contributions from our body systems. I'm thinking hormones. You mentioned mitochondria. There could be an environmental toxicity component, 
a, a family predisposition, genetics. So the the way that we focus on biochemical individuality, I imagine, plays a big role in how we work on our metabolic health. And you mentioned some of these things that we can measure, cholesterol and insulin. But if anybody's listening to this and they're preparing for pregnancy and and they know that metabolic health is an area that they'd like to learn about, how how do we know if we need to focus on this area? Are there some more labs? Are there signs? Are there symptoms that can clue us in and say, okay, I should talk to my doc about investigating this further? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's so much we can dive into. And I, I love that you pulled that out because yeah, it is so individualized. Right. And that's why we love functional medicine because we can look at every patient, um, you know, and their really unique needs. So yeah. How do we know, like, do we like, what is the state of our metabolic health? So there's a couple of things here. So number one, we really need to assess how you feel, right? How you feel as an individual. If you are constantly feeling exhausted, maybe after meals, maybe when you wake up in the morning, maybe when you try to exercise, that's a huge um, key piece for us to think about, wow, maybe you've got high blood pressure, or maybe you've got insulin resistance or even pre-diabetes or diabetes, right? Glucose dysregulation. So the first thing we really think about is how are you feeling? And again, we're looking for symptoms like exhaustion. You are just feeling constantly tired, right? Or you've got brain fog, or you just don't feel good after eating, right? Maybe hypoglycemia. So you've got that hyper hypo picture of dysregulated glucose. So that's the first thing we're looking at, right? I think most people might say, yeah, I, I feel tired. So keep talking. What's next? Um, then the next thing we're going to look at are more objective measures. So here's where we can stay really basic or we can have a lot of fun and individualize. So let's pretend you don't have access to a functional medicine doc, which happens, right? You know, some people don't. So any doc is going to be able to assess you for something called metabolic syndrome, which is really appropriately named, right? When we're talking about metabolic health, but these are really simple objective measures that can give us a great baseline into your metabolic health, right? And this is actually, um, a uh, like a group of conditions. And so you really have to have three of the five following criteria. So it's an increased waist circumference, it's hypertension or high blood pressure, an elevated fasting blood glucose, which gives us an idea into prediabetes and insulin resistance, elevated triglycerides, and then a low HDL. And, you know, to keep things simple, remember that HDL is oftentimes what we call our good cholesterol, right? And so those are really basic labs that any doctor is going to be able to um, measure you for, right? And they're really objective ways, really nice way to start off. However, we can get a little bit fancier here, right? And kind of, you know, um, make things a little bit more individualized. So a functional medicine or a naturopathic doctor might also look at your insulin score, which a lot of times we don't we won't have an elevated fasting blood glucose or, um, you know, an elevated A1C that shows diabetes, but we can have an elevated insulin level, which is that first step before we develop prediabetes, right? We can look at an advanced lipid panel that's going to tell us about ApoB, the, you know, how dense our bad cholesterol particles are, that small density LDL, a really, really important marker. Um, one of the most important markers that, you know, um, gives us insight into our metabolic health. We can look at markers of inflammation like HSCRP, which you have talked about a lot. And then I also love to look at two hormones called leptin and adiponectin. These are really important and valuable markers. 
Um, leptin is a peptide hormone that's released by our fat cells. And it talks to our hypothalamus and helps our, it helps our body figure out energy expenditure um, and really maintain a healthy weight, a healthy um, satiety. And then if we're getting even you know, more personalized, I love to assess visceral fat. So this is a little bit fancier. You do need either a DEXA scan or like a really um, fancy bioelectrical impedance <laughs> analysis scale. But I love to do this because as we started off saying in the episode, it's so much more than just weight. We can have somebody who has a very regular or, or sorry, normal BMI, or even maybe even a little bit of a low BMI, but have a lot of visceral fat. Vice versa, we could have somebody who has a higher BMI, but they're metabolically really healthy and don't necessarily have a lot of visceral fat. So Using one of these fancy machines to assess our visceral fat is a really nice way to get insight into our metabolic health because visceral fat is associated with um, metabolic syndrome and a lot of chronic diseases like diabetes, insulin resistance, cardiovascular disease. Ooh, there's so much to chew on in all of that, but I'm so glad you created this tiered approach for us or kind of a hierarchy of, okay, this is what you're going to get very easily. This is how we can escalate. We did an episode earlier this year where I said, if you haven't done your annual wellness exam, please go. And mm -hmm. I know I hear the feedback all the time of like, well, when I go, my doctor only orders the most basic stuff, but that's okay. In this case, get a lipid panel, get a TSH, get a CBC and a comprehensive metabolic panel, because that's going to help us to, to choose the fancier testing with more discretion and to use that responsibly. So I think that is a very approachable step. And then I know that listeners are going to say, okay, well, what if I want to do an advanced lipid panel or I want my CRP measured? Are those things typically covered by insurance? Do you think it'll be a big out-of-pocket cost? Yeah, such a great question, right? And that's like the number one question I get from my patients. They're like, okay, like how fancy are your labs and how yes. much are they going to cost? And honestly, there are ways to get around this. And the, the nice, like the other reason why this hierarchy is important is because let's say you go to just your primary care doc who doesn't necessarily have, you know, training in holistic health, and they do just a regular lipid panel and your um, total cholesterol or maybe your LDL comes back even just a little bit high. We can then diagnose you as having elevated cholesterol and we run that code through insurance and there's a way better chance that an advanced lipid panel is going to get covered. You know, we don't always love to use BMI as a diagnosis code because, you know, we know that BMI isn't perfect. However, if we have an elevated waist circumference and an elevated BMI, those are codes that we can also run through insurance that are going to allow for these tests to be covered through insurance. Um, you know, there's there's also the option of going through lab companies that don't necessarily require a doctor, right? So if your, you know, regular PCP or primary care doc doesn't necessarily want to run labs, you can actually order these tests yourself without a doctor, you know, see what the labs are. And then maybe you schedule like a telemedicine visit with a functional med doctor um, just to go over these. So there are definitely ways around this. The other thing I'll say is a lot of um, 
a lot of gyms have either a DEXA scan or um, a bioelectrical impedance like analysis scale. So you can go to those gyms and get um, a really nice estimate of what your visceral fat is. I think it's so important that we talk about this in in the context of preconception care. And I'll, I'm just going to use myself as an example because I think when we just talk about, oh, this person has metabolic dysfunction, we think of someone that's maybe overweight and has insulin resistance and isn't ovulating regularly. But if I can use myself, someone who had a, a healthy BMI and a very regular menstrual cycle and on paper probably looked like the picture of health, but inside had some inflammation and was riding this roller coaster of blood sugar, went into pregnancy and got pregnancy-induced hypertension and had pretty severe hypertension as a 27-year-old young healthy female. And and had I had I done a more thorough investigation and looked at some of those sources of inflammation and looked at how my blood sugar was stabilizing, I think I would have been able to be more empowered through that experience. So I guess I just want to call out that you don't it doesn't always look like this picture of metabolic dysfunction. Anything could be happening to you biochemically. Oh my gosh. Thank you for bringing that up because that is so true. And right. It's so powerful when you have this personal experience to share with people. And I see this all the time in clinic. And as doctors, we're trained, like you can't judge somebody based on what they look like. You have absolutely no idea what's actually happening inside, right? Like we, we, we have indicators for sure by looking at somebody, but not all the time. Right. And it's so important to know what these markers are. Like I'll take my sister as an example. She, trust me, she won't mind that I'm sharing this, but she really struggles with PCOS from the outside. She looks incredibly healthy, incredibly fit, but her androgen levels are sky high. Right. And so again, things that we can't always tell by looking at somebody. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect lead into my next question for you. So if we have dysfunction in our metabolic health, maybe we have insulin resistance, or maybe we have one of the other metabolic hallmarks that you talked about, how might that show up specifically in our reproductive health and fertility? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this question. I'm ready. Um, so a couple of different ways. So let's start with, um, you know, reproductive health, like before trying to conceive. So like I just mentioned, PCOS, absolutely. I'm sure your listeners at this point are so familiar with PCOS because you bring all the amazing knowledge about that. Um, but the connection with PCOS and dysregulated metabolic health or metabolic syndrome is that insulin resistance piece, right? And so when we have that insulin resistance, it's going to drive PCOS, which can of course show up in a lot of different ways, but most commonly is going to be those really irregular cycles. We were like, oh my gosh, it's like, all right, my cycle should be here and it's not, where is it? And then, you know, 40, 50 days later, right? It shows up. Um, so that's the first thing. We can also have just those really basic symptoms that at this point, society has normalized, but we sure do know that these symptoms aren't normal, but menorrhagia, right? Those really heavy periods, lots of heavy bleeding, the dysmenorrhea, right? The really painful cramps. And that's because you've got that estrogen dominance or that, you know, dysregulated estrogen progesterone ratio, right? Um, and so those um, symptoms are another key, um, there, there are other key symptoms, right? When we have metabolic health. So those things that, again, most people think are super, super normal and they're just not, right? Those are key, key um, indicators that there's something going on with our metabolism. And then 
The most frustrating one, I'm sure, for so many of your listeners is that unexplained infertility, right? Where so you're frustrating, just frustrating, like, Katie. Oh, the worst. It's the worst. And so we have really, really great data, you guys, that shows that obesity decreases our natural fertility, not just in women, but in men as well, which I think is such an important factor to talk about. Um, we know that obesity decreases clinical pregnancy rates and live births, um, both naturally and then after like ovulation induction and then with assisted reproductive techniques. Um, so that unexplained fertility piece, that is another key area. Like if you have not do like dove into your metabolic health and really assessing yourself for metabolic syndrome, and you've got unexplained, you know, quote unquote, unexplained infertility, that's a place that we need to dive into. And then we can think about, okay, let's say you're pregnant, right? But you've got some complications going on, things like gestational diabetes. And then Clea, like you mentioned the preeclampsia, metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, high cholesterol, hypertension, um, an elevated BMI before pregnancy. These are all risk factors for developing dysregulated um, hypertension and blood sugar during pregnancy. So you've got a, like so many different symptoms that can all be linked back to um, metabolic syndrome. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to ask you to explain to us why it's important to prioritize our metabolic health before pregnancy, but I think you answered it. And then I'll just add, since I've already opened up this uh, door to my own hypertension experience, sometimes I think we need an, an extra motivation or boost to do some investigating into our own health. And I, I think many of my listeners on this podcast have some plan or some vision of how they picture their birth experience going or like the type of birth that they would want. And I think this is really motivating. If I if I were going to have another baby, it would be very motivating for me to get this piece figured out because in my second pregnancy, I had this beautiful midwife birth planned and I was in midwifery care and it was so magical and nurturing. And I risked out. I risked out of my midwifery plan. I'm thankful I had a great OB, but like had to have a pretty standard birth experience with an OB and it was great, but it was just not what I dreamed of, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it was because yes. of the hypertension. And so I just want to encourage anyone who's on the fence or maybe exploring ways that they can optimize their health preconception. Let's, let's look at these things so that you can have the birth experience you hope for. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. It's so, so powerful, right? Like, oh, that is just such a powerful example. And to piggyback off of that, like in pre uh, preparing for this episode, I just did like kind of an updated lit review and found that 50%, 50, 50, one, like half of the women of women who get pregnant with metabolic syndrome develop a pregnancy complication compared to just one third of women without metabolic syndrome, right? That's a huge, huge difference. Um, and we just, we know that metabolic syndrome is associated with higher risks of preterm birth um, and then growth restrictions too in the baby. And it's not just um, the pregnant person who is affected by the metabolic syndrome, it's also the baby. So people with metabolic syndrome who get pregnant, their placentas are actually exposed to more obesogens, more environmental toxins, more inflammation, more oxidative stress, right? And then 
what happens during pregnancy, of course, affects both, you know, the person who's pregnant and then baby later in life. So for example, let's say you have metabolic syndrome before you get pregnant. Don't, don't necessarily know it until you maybe develop gestational diabetes, right? Or diabetes during pregnancy. You then have a higher risk of developing diabetes later in your life when you're not pregnant. So we're really talking about lifelong health here, not just health when you're pregnant. You and I are so aligned on this and we've said it, I've said it a million times on this show, preconception care is not just about getting pregnant when you want to get pregnant. It's about having a healthy pregnancy, a safe pregnancy, a smooth postpartum, and then a longevity in your health so that you can enjoy your family. And it's also about cultivating transgenerational health so your grandchildren and beyond can enjoy the freedom that good health provides. And that's why we do what we do. Sleep is incredibly important for fertility, to keep our hormones healthy, to power up our antioxidant capacity, and to help us deal with inflammation. I find that the uncertainty or anticipation in the preconception timeframe can make us feel a little on edge, and it can be more difficult to find that space for restorative sleep. As a busy mom and business owner, I can sometimes find myself feeling wired but tired at the end of the day and just really craving something gentle and effective to help me wind down. I've recently started ending my day with sleep and relaxation support by Needed. This is a delicious chamomile-infused powder in a super convenient packet that you just mix into water. I've been mixing mine with warm water for a really cozy and nourishing ritual before bed. The sleep and relaxation support is like a slightly sweet chamomile tea, but it has no added sugar. It's sweetened only with monk fruit. It gives me a boost of calming ingredients like magnesium, glycine, and L-theanine to promote optimal sleep quality and relaxation. I'm also so grateful to finally have a product that's safe for pregnancy and breastfeeding. Most sleep aids are contraindicated for pregnant and nursing mamas, and we know how important sleep can be during these stages of life too. If you're ready to relax safely and deliciously with Needed's sleep and relaxation support, head over to thisisneeded.com and use code FUNCTIONALFERTILITY for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use code FUNCTIONALFERTILITY for 20% off your first month of Needed products. I've told this story on the show before. People who have listened from the beginning are probably like, wow, she's really dwelling on this. I can't let this one go, but it's fine. I'm going to tell it anyway. I had a, a patient with PCOS and I had measured this patient's fasting insulin. She actually had a diagnosis of PCOS and had never had her fasting insulin measured, which is kind of wild to me, but I ordered it. I was serving as specialty care for this patient. She also saw her primary care doc. And this is the part that um, I'm still dwelling on. Her primary care doc said, I don't know why Dr. Waddles ordered that. She is excessive. And I just, I truly, I truly would rather be labeled as excessive than miss these major metabolic hallmarks that no one had acted on. And mm -hmm. it was worth it to me to get a number and to show the patient all of this room for improvement and how we could optimize her health, how we could reduce her risk for chronic disease later in life. Because it's not just ovulation, right? It's cancer risk. It's cardiovascular disease. It's all of these serious chronic conditions that we can manage. We can reduce risk if we know. So I am so excited that you're talking about this and that people will hear this episode and know that these labs are available to them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm like, my heart just, oh, I get so frustrated when a conventional doc says something like that, right? Because we know, you know, of course we learn this in school, but we've been practicing for like, you know, several years at this point. So we see it time and time again. So we know that it's real. We know that it's real. Uh, let's say that we decide that we want to get pregnant and that we want to, you know, emphasize a healthy body weight and prioritize our metabolic health while we're simulta- simultaneously trying to conceive. What do we do first, Katie? Where do we start? Because that's, that's there's so many things and you could read so many things on the Internet. What are we going to do? It's so true. Okay. I know everyone's probably like, all right, we get it now. Just tell us what we have to do. do. (laughs) So this is my favorite part, obviously, and what I'm so passionate about. So first and foremost, if you can, and we know that not everybody can, but if you can get these labs done, because yes, they're going to give us data, but it's, they're also a great way to um, track how far you come and how much progress you make. Because we know with metabolic health, we're going to be, I'm going to, I'm about to talk about a lot of different behavioral and lifestyle changes. And let's all be really honest. These are the, can I, can I say the word sexy? These are the not sexy things in medicine, right? These are the things that you do when no one else is watching the things you do when you don't feel like it. And when you're tired, right? These aren't necessarily like the fancy medications, fancy supplements, but they work. So long story short, first and foremost, get some labs so that you can repeat the labs in, you know, let's say three, six months, you can see all the progress you've made. And that is going to be such a huge motivating factor. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, I want you all to start slow. You don't need to completely overhaul your entire entire diet and lifestyle here. You can make a few really small, powerful changes that have a really big impact. It's kind of what I've been preaching all over my Instagram this week. You know, um, we're recording now and it's the beginning of 2024. And so everybody is like, all right, I am going to start a whole new lifestyle reinvention. And then, you know, five days later, they're like, oh, okay, I can't do it. So this is just a reminder, start slow and just focus on a couple behaviors at a time. Um, And the important piece is you really have to know yourself. So, you know, like we said before, metabolic health is not all about weight, but there is a significant component where there are a lot of people with metabolic syndrome who do need to lose some weight, right? Let's just be really real about that, right? And so you really want to know yourself and be honest about what works for you, right? Like, you know what type of weight loss plan you are going to be able to stick to and stay disciplined with versus not. So you really want to seek out a provider who can help you with that. Okay. So those are just kind of like a couple blanket statements I like to remind people about. Um, and then we can get into some specifics here, but, um, you know, and again, there are so many directions that we can take this, but number one, I want you to start moving your body. We cannot overestimate how important exercise is when it comes to metabolic health, whether it's weight loss whether it's reducing insulin resistance, whether it's decreasing our blood pressure or our lipid levels, you can't get around movement. 
I don't need you going to the gym and doing two hours on an elliptical or trying to lift these crazy heavy weights, right? That is not what we need. We just need you to move your body. So if you're not moving your body, your first course of action is to go start, get like even 10 to 15 minutes of walking, whether it's inside, like yesterday, I forgot my jacket. I'm on the East coast. It is freezing out here. I forgot my jacket. You guys, I just did laps around my clinic building inside, right? Like doesn't have to be crazy. So number one, start moving your body. And let me just say, let me just call out one of my favorite pieces. One of my favorite aspects of 2023 was the emergence of the hot girl walk in pop culture because it glamorized and it normalized going on a 20 minute walk in your sweatpants and puffy jacket with a cup of tea. We moved our bodies and we were unapologetic about it. And I think that's what you're saying. Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you guys, like we have so much incredible data that shows just a 10 to 15 minute walk. I know you've talked about this on previous episodes, 10 to 15 minute walk after a meal significantly reduces spikes in glucose and insulin. So it is just, it's so powerful for you. So move your body, please. Um, I have two more like main things to keep it really simple. Number two, eat your veggies, please. I need you to eat your veggies. I know that this is like basics 101, but you've got to get that fiber. And it's, it's more than just that you guys, it's the phytonutrients that come in vegetables. Those are going to help reduce your blood pressure, reduce your um, insulin levels. Those are going to really enhance your mitochondria, right? We talked about mitochondria at the beginning, your TCA, your Krebs cycle, all of these biochemical reactions, they're happening in your mitochondria. Your mitochondria need those phytonutrients and veggies. Number three, start drinking water, half your body weight in pounds and ounces of water per day. Truly, you guys, just start with those simple things. And I promise you, you will start to see really great progress over the next couple months. And I'll just um, get your take on this. Can we put butter on our (laughs) veggies? Oh my gosh. I love this question, Clea. I tell my patients, I lately have been working with a lot of like, teenagers, young 20 year old girls. And they're like, I hate vegetables. I'm like, smother those veggies in ranch dressing or in butter, whatever you have to do, right? Just get those veggies in like, and don't care how you do it. (laughs) So yes, put your butter on your veggies. Thank you. People tell me this all the time. I don't like, I don't like vegetables. And I'm like, have you, have you tried garlic butter before? Because I have never met a vegetable that wasn't incredibly delicious with garlic and butter. Oh my gosh, same here. It's delicious. <laughs> and then if we're if we struggle with hydration, hi, it's me. I'm the worst hydrator in the world. Same. Um, can we add electrolytes to make it more interesting? Like, should we go whatever means necessary to make that beverage more appealing? Yes, a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. Now, like we can get a little nuanced here. There are certain electrolyte brands we're gonna like more than others because of sugar content, things like that. But again, We're trying to keep things simple when we're starting off. So yes, put electrolytes in your water, add some like orange slices, some strawberries, some basil, whatever you have to do, herbal teas, now that the weather's a little bit colder, right? Best way to stay hydrated, soups, broths, bone broths, right? These really nourishing foods that are also going to be hydrating. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Let's talk a little bit about timeline, because when I'm working with patients, uh, one of the main questions I get is, how long am I going to need? How long is this going to take to get my body ready? So if someone is working on their metabolic health, they may be wondering, how how do I know when I'm ready? Is there something you're looking for that is telling you that it's time and that we, we got, we did it? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So this is a great question. Um, I'll start off by saying like, of course, we don't need our labs to look 100% perfect before we're like, okay, time to get pregnant, right? Um, and so let's throw that notion out the door. These labs do not have to be perfect. But, you know, and this is going to differ for everybody. I want to take like uh, an example of a patient who maybe let's say we've got, you know, 25 to 50 pounds to lose. Let's say being overweight is one of the things that we are really trying to um, focus on here. You know, if we're trying to lose weight in a really, really sustainable way, that's going to take some time. That's probably going to take close to six to eight months if we're being really diligent, really healthy, and not, you know, going on one of these fad diets to lose mm -hmm. a ton of weight really quickly, right? So that'll take about six to eight months. The other thing I really want to mention, and this is a whole nother podcast, but you mentioned environmental toxins um, at the beginning of the episode. When we mobilize fat, right? When we start to lose weight, even if it's not super rapidly, we are mobilizing environmental toxins. And, we, you know, we don't want to get pregnant right away when we've got those toxins in our system. So we need, you know, a, a good amount of time to lose weight. And then we need about three months after we kind of have gotten to our goal weight to kind of detox our body and get rid of those environmental toxins before we really start to try to conceive. Um, so that's ex an example of one timeline, right? But I would say at the minimum, I really like to start working with patients three to six months in advance, um, you know, because we can see, you know, some really powerful changes in that amount of time. And then also we have to remember it takes three months for that follicle to develop, right? And so that's another key piece we're looking at is we want to achieve a better state of health, but then we want to give our ovaries a little bit of time to, you know, like bolster up that ovarian health, if that makes sense. That makes good sense. It's an investment of time. And these are sometimes mm -hmm. hard conversations because when we decide we want to get pregnant, we, we want it to happen right now, this cycle, we want it to work. So sometimes it is hard, but I think if we look at it as an investment into our offspring and their offspring and their offspring, it feels a little bit more approachable. It's so true. And I'll, I'll say one more thing about that. You know, um, something that I talk to patients a lot is whenever we're really working on behavioral health changes, which is really what we're doing when it comes to focusing on metabolic health, it is such, like you said, it's such an investment in starting and it's hard, right? It's hard to start walking, especially in the cold. It's hard to start eating vegetables when you haven't necessarily been used to that. It's hard to drink a lot of water and pee every 10 minutes when you're not used to that, right? But I promise you, you guys, like your body is flexible and adaptable. Your mind is as well. And so you can make these, you can make these changes and they can become second nature. So put the time in now, really focus on that. And then you'll be set up for success throughout those nine months of pregnancy and then years and years and years after. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. And I know you walk your talk because I see your pictures and you did your workout and you said, I had to drag myself out of bed this morning, but I did it. And now I feel better and I'm glad I did it. 
Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, we don't all feel motivated every single day. It's so easy for us to look at somebody who we might deem as really healthy or really fit and say, oh, it's probably just so easy for them at this point. But I can promise you it is not. We just have gotten to a point where we've put in that effort. So it just becomes second nature. And I really, I'm going to remember what you said. That struck me how you said your body is flexible and your mind is too. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. So uh, will you walk us through some of the best strategies or your preferred methods for gaining an optimal and an, an appropriate amount of weight during pregnancy while we're prioritizing our metabolic health? Because at some point, hopefully all our hard work is going to pay off. We're going to get pregnant. And then we're going to have to hold those two things simultaneously of the body naturally being in a, a transformation phase and also wanting to support our metabolic health. Yes. Okay. So I feel very, very passionately about this topic. Um, so first and foremost, I want to say, Clea mentioned, I'm a mom. I have been pregnant before and like I'm sure some of your listeners who have also been pregnant, that first trimester is the worst for some people, right? It's very individualized, but man, I remember, and I was a med student at the time I was in clinic. I, my supervisor was having to come into rooms to cover for me so I could go vomit. Like I was nauseous all the time. I remember there were several weeks where literally all I could eat were waffles for whatever reason, right? Like it really is so individual. We've got a lot of times we're low in energy and we're super nauseous. So I just want to be very clear. If we are in that stage of pregnancy, it is just about getting in whatever nutrition you can. And if that looks like chicken nuggets and waffles for a few weeks. Raisin brand for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. See, we all have it. We all remember like what were those one or two foods that the only ones that I could stomach. So, um, you know, if you're in that part of your pregnancy, you just ride the wave and you do the best you can. There are, of course, strategies there for maintaining really good metabolic health. It's going to be, you know, eating protein when you can, eating small meals, eating low glycemic index foods, right? Things like that. But let's say we're past that phase, right? Our energy is a little bit better. Maybe we're into the second trimester. Maybe we've we've gotten the nausea under control. What are we really focusing on? Okay. Now, what I'm about to say might be slightly controversial. Don't come at me, you guys, please. Right, we love a controversial hot take. Let's hear it. Are we ready? Um, pregnancy cravings. Let's talk about pregnancy cravings. I don't believe that pregnancy cravings are an excuse to eat whatever we want when we're pregnant. Okay. I feel really strongly about this. I see so many people just eating all of the indulgent foods throughout their pregnancy because they're like, oh, it's a pregnancy craving. It's what baby wants. No, 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 no. When you have a specific craving, it is an indication that something else is going on, right? On a surface level, maybe it's that we need a little bit more magnesium. Maybe we do need more carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, right? Maybe we need more of a specific nutrient. So I don't want you to go into pregnancy thinking like, oh, I've got pregnancy cravings. I can eat whatever I want. That doesn't, I don't want you to take those words and then say like, oh, I can't eat anything indulgent during my pregnancy. Of course, that's not true, right? Pregnancy is a time when we're, we have a lot of emotions, right? Our mental load is just at capacity, right? And so a lot of times 
You're like, I'm going for the cupcake because that's all I can do today. And I want you to hear me. That is okay. Like, I don't want you to feel bad or ashamed if that's where you're at, right? However, I just want to offer another perspective and a different opinion that those cravings often sometimes mean we need more nutritious food, right? So that's the, that's the first thing that I want to say. Now, the second thing is I really want you to focus on a diet or, um, yeah, a diet that is, um, made to really establish good blood glucose. Okay. When we eat a diet that's low in glycemic foods and really good at managing our blood glucose, we are addressing at baseline, all elements of metabolic health, right? And so we are really assessing, um, are you eating protein with every meal? Are you eating fiber and complex carbohydrates, right? So those are, that's, you know, the first thing. The second thing that I already mentioned is you have got to move your body during pregnancy, okay? This is gonna set you up not just for success during pregnancy, but labor as well, because labor is its own form of exercise, my friends. Endurance, endurance, athleticism. Exactly. Even a C-section, the healing from that C-section, right? You need to have a strong core and able to heal, to be able to heal well from a C-section, right? Um, And I just feel so passionately about moving while you're pregnant. And, you know, you're going to feel sore, you guys. You're going to feel tired, right? You're growing a human, And you you don't have to do something crazy in the gym, but move your body, go on walks, lift light weights, whatever it is, please, please, please try your best to continuously move your body during pregnancy. I love how you are offering this real advice that I know comes from your own experience as a doctor, as a mom, as someone who's been pregnant and been through all of these trials and tribulations. I think it's really heart-centered, everything that you're saying. So on that note, I want to tap into your real life a little bit because you share so much on your social media about what you're really doing. And like like you've highlighted some of these behavior changes, they're not sexy, they're not glamorous, but it's real and it's hard work. And we don't want to we don't want to underemphasize that. So will you tell us maybe your top three tried and true regular practices that you personally use to keep your own metabolic health in good shape? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, I constantly work on my mindset. When we are really working on behavioral change, whether it's incorporating new foods, whether it's really helping us stop snacking and, you know, indulging in all the sweet treats that we want after dinner, whether we're trying to get into a consistent workout routine, it takes a lot of rewiring of our brain. And so number one, I work on my mindset and I surround myself um, and my Instagram account with people who are really motivating, who are constantly teaching me new things. Um, I'm constantly, you know, reading personal development books because I really want to like, I really want to be the best version of myself that I can be. And it's, It's those moments as I'm learning more about myself and as I'm working on that mindset um, work where I challenge myself. And in those moments when my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. to go to the gym so that I can get a workout in before my kid wakes up, (laughs) I'm saying, okay, like I'm remembering my long-term goals. I'm remembering my why and I am getting up and not hitting snooze, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is I keep things as simple as possible. If my day gets wonky and I don't actually have time for, you know, a a proper workout that I had planned, 
I go for a 10 minute walk at lunch, right? You keep things simple. You move on. If I only have 10 minutes to make dinner, because you know, like we don't always have time to plan dinner. I grab a bag of frozen veggies from my freezer. I heat those up. I add some butter and that's it, right? Like we keep things really simple. And then third and um, the third and last thing is I, like I just said, I prioritize movement. I make it a really natural part of my day. I stand at work. A lot of times I'll encourage my patients to stand in the visit and my patients take me up on this. You guys, people are like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. I've been sitting at my desk all day. So I really, really believe that movement is, um, a form of medicine. Mm. Those are very good tips that I will be carrying into the next week. And as we as we come to the end of this episode, which has been so jam-packed full of info, I'm, I imagine that there are some listeners who chose this episode because they are frustrated with their metabolic health and they've listened this far because they want these pro tips. Will you just offer some parting words of wisdom to our mamas and our mamas-to-be who are feeling some frustration about this topic? Yeah, absolutely. This is such a good point. Um, I came across a really great summary in an article recently, and I'm going to read it to you all. It says, obesity is a chronic, complex, progressive, relapsing disease that impairs health. So, and like we said, metabolic health is so much more than obesity, but if it is being overweight and obese that you are struggling with, please know it is a chronic disease and it is very, very, very hard to treat. And that doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that you need extra care, um, you know, extra people on your care team. So if you're feeling frustrated, please know that that is normal and that you are not crazy for feeling that way. Number two, there was an amazing systematic and meta, uh, systematic review and meta-analysis that was published last year, well, two years ago now, in 2022, that said that we don't necessarily need a, an intensive lifestyle intervention to improve our metabolic health. They took two groups, and one group had this really, really intense intervention, and the second group just had like some exercise and really simple diet advice. And both groups like improve their metabolic health the same and significantly. So I just want you all to take that and really feel empowered that a few simple changes can go a long way in um, really, really improving your metabolic health. Yeah. Thank you for that. Right. Because the, the, the most powerful behavior change is the the things that you will actually be able to do consistently day to day. And it doesn't have to be this overhaul of your entire lifestyle. Like you said, it's these making the right choice, even if it's a small one over and over and over. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Katie, thank you so much for sharing of this topic. I know that it's near and dear to you and we've had so many great insights. I so appreciate your time. And to all of our listeners, thank you for choosing us as a trusted source of fertility information. It's such an honor to do this show and to be engaged with this audience. To our show's producer, Paola Martini, thank you for making all of our podcast dreams come true. And thank you, huge thank you to the, the sponsor of today's episode, Needed. Just as a reminder, we love Needed's trusted perinatal supplements, and you can head to thisisneeded.com and use code Functional Fertility for 20% off your order. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time. Did you love this episode and want to hear more? 
Head over to drkaliawaddles.com slash podcast where you can find more episodes on all things fertility. Fertility.